This mini lecture is about giving efficient help, which is a concept from Frederick Jones. It's part of a managerial approach, and it's an example of a technique. Jones has found that uh, mature, experienced teachers use that may not seem obvious or apparent to beginning teachers. So I'm going to talk about efficient help. Now, efficient help is a technique to use when you are supervising instructional activities, and we're going to talk about providing efficient help. All right, beginning teachers often assume that they should give individual students lots of careful help during independent seat work. For example, when a student raises his hand for assistance, the teacher will move to him quickly and spend considerable time with that one student. All right, if you're a beginning teacher, um, you've gone into teaching because you want to help children. And within our social and cultural context, when someone asks for help, our tendency is to give them help. So here's the situation. You are supervising, circulating, supervising independent seat work, which is exactly what you should be doing on your feet, moving, supervising. And a student asks you for help. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to go in and you're going to spend a lot of time with that one student giving him or her a lot of help, right? So you spend a lot of time with the kid. You ask him a lot of questions to help him figure out the solution himself. And you think you're doing this wonderful thing because you are teaching this child the material or you're leading him through a series of steps to sort of understand and discover the material for himself. And so during the whole period of the independent seat work, you spend a lot of time with only one or two students. And you need to ask yourself, in the meantime, what's happening with the rest of the class? Other students get no help, and the lack of teacher monitoring assistance promotes their getting off task and starting to misbehave. While you're deep in conversation and interaction with the one or two students who've asked you for help, everybody else is unsupervised and unmonitored. So you're failing in the duty to them. Also, that close attention and feedback from the teacher is very reinforcing to those one or two students and tends to promote learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is a phenomenon that if you have never seen it, you will often get sucked into the premises. The student is so needy that you just naturally help. And then you find that you're helping a little bit more, and then a little bit more. And gradually what the child does is get you to do his or her work. So what you're doing, I repeat, with learned helplessness is you actually wind up doing the student's work for him or her. Now I would like to give a couple of examples to help people understand learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is when you have learned that if you are helpless, certain good or positive or desirable things will happen to you. A very good example that many people can relate to is some of the learned helplessness that men and women use with each other. 
for example, I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but I think these uh, stereotypes have some basis in reality and can communicate, so I'm going to, to use them. For example, in some married couples, the man will just be really incompetent and helpless at, cert at certain things, such as uh, clearing the table, loading the dishwasher, and cleaning up the kitchen. Uh, he will just be so inept that the kitchen is a complete mess and his wife will say, well, I might as well just do it myself. It's a lot easier. So pretty soon, he, she's not even asking him to help. She's just cleaning up the kitchen. And you can see the same dynamic happening between parents and children. The child does something so badly, messily, clumsily, so slowly that, well, you, it's just better to do it yourself. And, of course, the other party learns if I'm helpless, clumsy, do a bad job, seem to not be able to handle this, someone else does it for me. Now, the original example with the husband who's inept at cleaning up the kitchen, you can also have the wife who is inept and just can't learn how to take care of the car. She can't figure out how to do little things like uh, take it in for uh, oil change and lube job, even though it's her car, and so the husband does it for her. All right, and you can think of where the sexes in their stereotypical uh, culturally assigned sex roles have these areas of learned helplessness that they play on each other. We are looking now at what happens in classrooms with learned helplessness. I would like to give you an example very much like uh, what Jones is talking about here that I observed in a fifth grade classroom. I was observing a student teacher. He had had some problems and I was asked to go in and observe him and do some sort of supplementary uh, observation and critique and mentoring for him. So I was sitting in the classroom as I faced the front of the room. I was on the left side, a little more than halfway back in the row next to the wall. And so I could see, you know, most of the students in the class. There were a few back here I couldn't. The student teacher started teaching his lesson. It was a very good lesson. It was one of those lessons where teaching the concept is embedded in working through a problem. It had to do with um, map reading skills in a city-type environment. He had a very nice transparency, and he had given the students a very nice, uh, clear, well-done handout based on his transparency. So he started teaching and step-by-step step working with the class to go through this problem. And the deal was they were going to work through, um, I can't remember how many, two or three of these problems as instruction, and then they were going to complete the rest by themselves. It's a very good technique for teaching, making sure students comprehend, and then giving them some application and practice. It's a good lesson design. During the time he was teaching the two or three problems, there was one student, a boy, 
on the right side of the room where I could see him very clearly up against the wall who was not on task during the entire instruction. He had the top of his desk pulled up. It was one of those desks where the top flips open and you put your books underneath. He had his top picked up just a little bit on his desk. He had a little car, a little Hot Wheels car, and he was driving it all around underneath his desk on top of his books. And he was make, even making little soft motor noises, boom, 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 and I could hear him. The student teacher was clueless, had no idea anything was going on or that this student was not on task. And we may talk a little bit later about withitness. The student teacher didn't have much withitness. Okay, so here's the kid, and he's driving his little Hot Wheels all around under his desk. And every now and then he brings it out, and he even drives it around the top of his desk. And every now and then he'll just drive it around his arm and over here and then back in the desk. During the entire instructional time, which probably was about 10 minutes, this student was completely off task, paid no attention whatsoever. The student teacher finished the instruction part and then told students to work the rest of the problems for themselves. And instantly, seconds, mere seconds or microseconds passed, that student who was on task, his hand shot up, he started waving it frantically, and he started calling out to the teacher, I don't understand, I don't understand. And the student teacher, of course, went straight to him, to this student who was off task, and started teaching him the lesson in a private tutorial. Since the student was up against the wall, you know, in the row next to the wall, the student teacher got beside him and bent over to help him and talk to him. And so if you get this concept, his back was to about 80% eh, of the students. And he spent way too long working with the student, helping him. What happened, because he abandoned the class so quickly, he told the class to do something, right? To start working these yourself. Then by not following through with the class, monitoring them, seeing that they all complied and got down to business, they didn't do that. They saw him go immediately to that student and turn his back on them, and so they completely got off task. They were talking, chattering, goofing around, not doing their work. And again, the student teacher had no idea what was going on in his class. If you can take that example and understand it, the student teacher failed to teach anything to anybody or to get the practice, to get the lesson routine going, except one student who needed private instruction because he'd been goofing off. That's learned helplessness. That's how adults reinforce, without meaning to, helplessness in children. Okay? So be careful about learned helplessness, and we're going to look at what you do with this concept of efficient help instead of reinforcing it. All right. Here's 
Frederick Jones's approach. The best approach, be positive, be brief, be gone. Those three steps are how you give efficient help. Be positive, be brief, be gone. All right. Positive. You move in fast. When you see a student who acts like he needs help or signals that he needs help, get there fast. Move in quickly. Assess the situation. Make a positive comment. Find something to make a positive comment. Nice handwriting. Good job up to here. You're doing okay. Uh, if nothing else, it may be you can do this. Okay? Make a positive comment. All right. Be brief. Your goal is to get the student back on task as fast as possible. Now, notice this. Your goal is not to teach the student what he or she did not learn. Now, remember, uh, presumably, we're not talking about a child with some sort of learning problem here. We're talking about a child who had the same opportunity to learn, the same opportunity to pay attention as every other student in the class. So your task is to get the student back on task as, as quick as possible. Some suggestions, just tell him what to do. If it's one step in a math problem, just tell him, okay? Um, and he's, he's done it wrong, correct him. Say, no, you know, three times four is not 42, it's 12, okay? Just, just point, just tell him what to do. Uh, direct his attention to the notes, the boards, or the instructions. Whatever you did to teach, refer him back to it. Uh, refer him to the overhead that you've left up and say, look at step three. That's where you're having problem. Uh, or if you've posted the instructions for the assignment, or if you have the instructions on the assignment, uh, on, on the handout, call his attention to those instructions. Say, read this right here and do what it says, okay? Um, tell him skip it and go on to the next item, all right? He's gotten to the third problem, can't handle it. Say, eh, skip that and go on to number four. Or assign a peer to show him how. Do something to get the student back on task. And in setting up your classroom systems, you may want to think how you can handle this situation. Maybe you do want to have um, uh, certain people in your room assigned to be uh, peer mentors. Think of your system for getting kids back on task. Now, gone, as soon as the student is back on task, you leave. You move on because what you need to be doing is heads up, paying attention to the rest of your class, helping them, spotting trouble, making sure they are uh, monitored and behaving and working. So you be gone, scan the whole class, and this is an important concept. Reinforce the students who paid attention during class, who learned what they were supposed to do, and who are doing it correctly. When you look over their papers, give them really good positive feedback like, right, yes, you got it, yeah, okay, way to go. Reinforce them for paying attention, learning, doing what they're supposed to do, okay? Now, one special circumstance. In some classrooms, you will find a uh, 
very special kind of learned helplessness that goes something like this. You give the instructions for some kind of uh, activity, and let's say it is independent seat work. And you go through the instructions carefully. Of course, you've got them on the handout or the worksheet or um, the project group project activity. You've got the instructions there. Or you've put the instructions up on an overhead. Or you've got the instructions for a common activity, maybe even posted permanently. You've got the instructions present. You've gone over them carefully. You've asked for questions and answered them. You tell the students to begin, and one or more students in your class immediately start jumping up and down and saying, I don't understand, I don't understand, come here, help me, help me, help me. And you can get, if you get a number of students like this in a class, it's just an absolute den. Come here, Ms. McCray, Ms. McCray, come here. One good way to handle that is when you realize you got that kind of problem is make sure your instruction giving is more structured and more careful. Uh, you go over questions uh, very carefully. You go over the instructions very carefully. You take questions. You ask students questions, whatever it is. And then you establish your rule and you enforce it. That when we start this activity, I will not help anybody for two minutes. Younger kids, you might want a shorter period of time, two minutes. And I've got my stopwatch here. I've got my wristwatch that turns into a stopwatch. I start that. I'll come around. I'll look at your paper, but I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to help you for two minutes. And during those two minutes, what I want you to do is start on this and do the best job you can. Try to do the first problem as well as you can. And if you can do that, go on to the second problem or the second exercise, whatever it is. At the end of two minutes, I will look at every student's paper, and I will tell you, right, or I'll help you if you don't have it right. I'll tell you if you're doing it right. You enforce that, no squeaking, no fussing, no hands up in the air. Two minutes, get started. You'll find some students are very frustrated. They just want to go, well, you know, why won't you help me? Politely, firmly insist, start on it. Maybe even give them a little encouragement. I think you can do this. Start on it. Two minutes. Try. Do the first problem. And then I will look at your answer and I'll tell you if you're right or not. What you will find is, of course, they can do it. And once you get them started, you can, by using that rule over and over again, you can get students to stop that particular form of learned helplessness, okay? Uh, providing efficient help, be positive, be brief, and be gone. Take care. All right.